As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. Today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. When you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your host, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, how you doing, bud? What's happening, Big Jet? Oh, man, just living the dream. Excited. We got a we got a big show today. I think I say that every episode, but this might be the most <laughs> important episode that we've done to date. Guarding against and or preparing for theft in our racing operation. We've got some uh, some guests lined up. It'll give us some insight. We've got a number of things to cover, but before we get to that, we do have a little bit of racing action to talk about. As we mentioned last week, Last weekend, obviously, was Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day weekend, tra- weekend traditionally is not a big weekend for drag racing, understandably. Yep. But we mm-hmm. did have a couple of big events taking place mostly Friday and Saturday. I guess, first off, the news that I was really disheartened to get on uh, on Sunday morning was that Don Bulware, most of you faithful listeners will remember Don as, our, uh, as the winner of our last big thing contest. We had him on, what was that? 
three episodes ago. I think it was, yeah. Really enjoyable interview, really cool guy. Uh, I've got a little bit of history with Don. Don was involved in a horrific on-track accident at the Texas Motorplex Saturday night. Destroyed the Mullis Dragster that um, that he was telling us about on the podcast. Thankfully, Don walked away. Uh, was taken to the hospital there, uh, Baylor, Baylor Medical Center. They released him in the wee hours of the morning. He is back at home, obviously sore, obviously heartbroken. But Don is uh, is doing absolutely as well as could be expected given the situation. So we just wanted to cover that and let Don know that we're wishing him nothing but the best. Yeah, thoughts and prayers out to Don. Uh, man, I hate to hear that. Just a genuinely awesome guy. And hate to hear about anybody having an accident, and especially somebody that you know we're close to through the show. So get well soon, Don, and uh, hopefully you make it back out on the racetrack uh, just as soon. Absolutely. Like I said earlier, we had some, some big bucks action across the country. Big foot brake race in, in Prescott, Arkansas. Yeah, Jed are kind of the the voice of foot brake racing. I'll, I'll let you kick that off. It was in Prescott, though. Yeah, it was Prescott, Arkansas. The uh, Arkansas Prescott. Yes, yes, they would, and I would have been one of those. But I, I heard my man Moose Morris say Prescott. Yeah, yeah. As a as a young man growing up in the state of Texas, I frequented what I thought was Prescott a few times and got quickly <laughs> reprimanded for that. It's kind of like biscuit. It's Prescott. Prescott, Arkansas. <laughs> yep. The uh, inaugural Arkansas footbrake showdown, uh, Troy Morgan uh, helped put that on uh, with the help of Prescott Dragway and Jackie Lewis. And those guys had a, a little bit of uh, a change in plans a few weeks ago when they were supposed to have the event. Just a terrible, terrible forecast, which actually came to be uh, exactly what it was supposed to be. So good decision. Mother's Day was the only time they could move it to Mother's Day weekend. Actually had some weather challenges on Friday again. So they just basically had two 10 granders on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, and uh, had to finish up their Thursday gamblers race on Saturday. So they finished three races in one day and. Uh, had a good turnout, I think somewhere right around uh, 100 entries per event or per uh, race that they had. So that was a good deal for them, and uh, a lot of money was paid out. And Thursday's Gambler's Race was a guy that's uh, very familiar with Winter Circle everywhere he goes. Charlie Lockhart got it done in old trusty uh, wheel standing S10, looking good. Every time that thing was leaving, I was watching some of the event, looked real good, and he got by uh, Shane DiGalormo is uh, what that looks like. I'm not familiar with Shane, but I'm, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce that. There's probably a lot, that. Of ways I, <laughs> a lot of ways I could have said it. But, Candidate for your all-name uh, team. Yes, yes, absolutely. He needs a name change. We'll get to that <laughs> some other time. Semis was uh, Chad Sandlin, bad dude out of Texas, getting it done. That was Thursday's Gambler's Race. It was $2,000 to win. Again, that finished up, started Thursday, but finished up Saturday morning. They rolled right into Saturday's first of two 10-granders. And my good buddy Wes Boog Snodgrass got it done. Wes all the way out from Hobbs, New Mexico, out there in Arkansas competing. And just a really good guy in his little roadster. Uh, got the win over nasty Nick Hastings. Made the trip all the way from Ohio to Arkansas. So that was pretty cool to see Nasty Nick. He made it all the way to the final round, which is something he does a lot of. 
uh, semi with <laughs> Brian Banker's Hours Hughes, which those of you know Brian Hughes, and I know Luke, you know him well, uh, being a Texas guy. I mean, that guy just, he's just sneaky, man. He wins on the top, wins on the bottom. Ryan Hughes been a bad dude for a long time. He definitely has a knack for getting it done and whatever he, he hops in. He does. Just makes good laps. And uh, so after that final round, they just jump right into Saturday's second 10 grander, where uh, another guy that's uh, been to some of uh, the races that I'm fortunate to put on, uh, Justin uh, Cervantes. Uh, they call him Just, but he, he took his uncle's beautiful 69 Chevelle and Got by none other than nasty Nick Hastings again in the final round of a 10-grander. Two finals and 10-granders in a day. Pretty darn impressive again by uh, by nasty Nick. Golly. And Justin was, Luke, uh, you, you probably saw it, but he was, the last four rounds was 001, uh, triple zero, back-to-back, and then 007. He really backed last, off in the final, didn't he? <laughs> wow. he, had, he backed, backed it off 50 RPMs and went <laughs> 007. So very, very impressive by, by Justin and Nick with another unbelievable performance. And semifinals were Chad Ajax Sandlin. Chad again with a final or the semifinal. And then uh, it says David White Lightning Bell on the description, but we call him Double O David Bell. So <laughs> that's David <apropos>. Bell. <laughs> yes, David Bell, as you know, is a mean, mean guy on the racetrack and a real nice guy off. But uh, a lot of great foot brake racing for the inaugural event. Proud of uh, Troy Morgan, Jackie Lewis, and all people. Uh, Jake Howard, I know, helped. Moose Morris was doing the announcing. Guys put on a really good show. Motormania was there. I got to watch some of it, and it was cool to see. And I understand they're they're planning to come back and do that again next year, along with maybe some other races added to the schedule. So great event by Troy and the gang, and um, congrats to all those guys for some really good performances. Good to hear. How about the season that Nick Hastings is putting together? Yeah. <laughs> I know that Nick is, I believe, the bottom bulb representative for the state of Ohio in the in the All-State Challenge. Might need to, to reconsider that. He sounds like the perfect utility candidate, the way that this year's been going. I mean, knowing Nick, he's probably a little bit upset with himself because I don't know that he's finished many of these races. But my God, it's been... Yeah. Bowling Green, Kentucky was in a final. The spring race at Rockingham, he just put on a show and was late every day. Runner up to Cameron Manuel in the in the two hundred fifty thousand dollar Powerball event. Went rounds every day in Vegas, and now is in back to back foot break finals in Prescott, Arkansas. Like, you just the the atlas to keep up with Nick Hastings is impressive. Much less what he's actually doing on the racetrack. What a season! Just yeah, in, in mid May. He has put a ton of miles on his rig, but um, he's making it pay off absolutely every time he goes out. And I think he's won a couple of you know local races here and there in between all that. Mm-hmm. So phenomenal, phenomenal year going on by by Nick as expected by him. And uh, man, it's just May, Luke. So who knows what the what the rest of your hold? There's a lot of great racing left. No doubt. Across the country, a big dollar event came to Rocky Mountain Raceway in uh, Salt Lake City. We, we talked a little bit about that with Chris Forsyth last week. Saturday's $10,000 uh, main event was won by Trevor Harkema, defeated Lori Warden in the final. Kudos to both of them. Saturday's 
bottom bulb event, which was a five grander, uh, when went to Andy Schmall, guy that I'm familiar with, uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. grew up in Minnesota, recently relocated to Montana. You know, from the Spring Fling Vegas, kid is no joke on the fi- on the bottom. I was kind of yes. surprised to learn that that was his first major. I think it was his first five grander, which obviously where he's from, they don't have a ton of opportunity for that, but sure. uh, no surprise to see Andy get the win. And Friday's, uh, Friday's no box five grander. The win went to Jeremy Wilson from uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. And all of that's awesome. Like kudos to all of those guys, but that wasn't the story of the event. The story was really Friday night's $10,000 event, which saw Tracy Holt defeat Mark Kidd. And that's not the story. Like I think everybody that listens to this knows seeing Mark Kidd in the final round anywhere in the country, but specifically on the West coast is no shock. Like that's no yeah. bigger news than Kevin Brandon staging in the final on the East coast. Right? <laughs> we're, we're used to seeing that. And, yeah, and Tracy, Tracy Holt winning is not in and of itself, big news. Like Tracy Holt has been a, a staple in big dollar competition and a consistent winner for a lot of years on that part of the country. What's a story about that is that Tracy's son, Brady was there and got to enjoy that moment with his dad. And for those of you that don't know, like a little over a year ago, that in itself wouldn't have been a story. Like Brady got to do that a lot, share the winner's circle with his father, Tracy. At that time, Brady was a, a strong, physically strong, smart, very successful college student, college athlete to that degree and and he's going to utah state was playing football at utah state so that gives you a little bit of an indication as to just how strong an athlete he was that's obviously in the very elite minority of uh, yeah. college students that get to play division one ncaa football he had just returned from a two-year mission trip and it was a year ago on mother's day it was may 14th 2016 that brady was involved in just a, a horrible horrific highway accident um he was his car rolled. He was thrown from his car. He was found face down in a ditch, unconscious. Obviously had severe injuries, broken back, fractured neck, shearing brain injury to the point that the doctors told Brady's family that he had a 15% chance of survival and basically braced them for the worst, saying that if he was able to survive, he wouldn't have a, a, a decent quality of life. Like it, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be the the young man that, that they knew and loved. To say that the past year has been a fight for Brady and his family would be obviously an understatement of monumental proportion. Like I can't imagine all that they've been through. Yeah. But from that initial diagnosis where the doctor said it's likely that he won't survive, he has survived. From there, they said it's likely that Brady may not leave this hospital, may not, may not see outside of these four walls. He left the hospital. They said, in all likelihood, he'll never walk again. Brady's walking. At this point, with the help of a walker, um, but at the rate that he's going, will be walking on his own in short order. He's had a lot of support along the way, obviously. Incredible family. An unbelievable group of friends. It looks from the outside as though the Utah State community has been very involved, obviously, as a college athlete. And, of course, like we're more familiar with the drag racing community. And you can keep up with Brady's story. A lot of you have. A lot of you are familiar with this. But hashtag Brady Strong if you want to know more. But to the on the racing end of this, on Friday, he was at the track at Rocky Mountain Raceway watching his dad race. And he got to enjoy that victory 
like they had shared together so many before, but that this time around had to be a moment that in their darkest hour, that family probably didn't dare dream that they would enjoy, but they did. It was obviously a great moment for Tracy, for Brady, for the entire Holt family. And the way that I understand it from talking to some people that were there, it was understandably an emotional scene for everyone at the facility. So I thought that was a little bit of a a feel-good story for a podcast that won't go that direction the rest of the way, but definitely a a special Friday night at, uh, at Rocky Mountain Raceway. Awesome story, and uh, man, it's that that had to be an amazing feeling for Brady to be over there and enjoy there, enjoy that with Tracy and the family. So, man, just uh, uh, keep the fight, Brady. That's uh, that's a really awesome story, and we wish you continued success and progress. Joining us now is uh, a racer that. Uh, has recently experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows his story is very fresh on our minds and we wanted to get him on to talk about uh, what happened and a little more insight into what we should do if and when it happens to us um hate the the reason that we're having to have him on but glad to have brian saruti with us uh, to talk about what happened recently to his race and operation brian thanks for joining us here on the sportsman drag racing podcast hi guys thanks for having me uh, hopefully i can give some insight on the uh events that happened to me yeah, well i'm sure you will we definitely understand brian this is all pretty fresh um so a lot of it's probably not the most comfortable thing to talk about and really appreciate you uh, agreeing to do it and, and hoping to shed some light light on things to hopefully uh help our listeners and fellow racers avoid going through something like you have and, and are going through and, and I, I, in the case that it does happen because obviously it will happen again um, hopefully help our uh, our listeners and racers um, get navigate the process a little bit easier so um, I yeah. guess start off like the the night that this happened started off as an excellent day right you're in the final round at the spring fling in Las Vegas um, kind of walk us through the day the night and and how you come to the realization that uh, everything's gone well, it was it was like you said a very good night racing. I uh, I was kind of struggling at the beginning of the day, but got things together pretty well. Uh, the car was really good, probably better than ever. And uh, once I uh, managed to beat uh, Nick Hastings in the finals of the no box, I really was confident. And you know, I made some good runs before that and after that. And until the finals, I kind of you know messed up a little bit there and knew it but that happens um I, I thought i thought when i lost that round i was feeling uh kind of disappointed you know i got that far and then you know it was a, not too long after that when i found out what real disappointment is <laughs> yeah, i can um, only imagine so i mean it was a great night a great race i mean uh, uh, that race was an awesome race which is why i went back after last year so i i'm you know it was a great day and you know, I had a good time and, you know, we left the, left the track and felt pretty good and riding a good high and thought I'd drive for a few hours to go home, got something to eat. And pretty much a half an hour, 40 minutes after I ate dinner, I, I was tired and couldn't could, just felt like I couldn't make it another two hours to where we were expecting to go. 
So we uh, decided to stop when we got by the the uh, Hoover Dam Lodge there. It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere on a highway, which is probably a, a bad bad uh, idea, but I thought that was better than, you know, ending up on the side of the road, crashed because I fell asleep. So, you know, we, we got to the hotel about uh, 1230 by the time we got checked in and uh, got in the room. It was a little bit after one. Looked out the window. I could see my my whole rig parked in the parking lot and um, pretty much went to bed. Um, woke up in the morning and uh, got up, looked out the window, and it was gone. Um, at that point, I think I went into a panic attack. I was hyperventilating, uh, mm. uh, trying to get dressed as fast as I could to run downstairs, you know, kind of hoping that the hotel decided to tow it because it was, uh, you know, parked in 15 parking spots. <laughs> right. uh, unfortunately, that, that wasn't the case. So went outside, and all that was left of my entire racing operation was uh, one of the vent shade thing that was over the driver window was torn off and the weather stripping around the window and that was all that was laying there and that was it. everything else was gone wow. um that was about seven in the morning um by seven twenty, i had contacted the police um and notified hotel security and at that point it was like the most uh, helpless feeling in the world there was nothing i could do but wait for the police i didn't have a vehicle so i couldn't go look for anything um i just sat there waiting um yeah, unfortunately it took the police uh, 13 hours to come and take my report <laughs> oh my wow. goodness yeah and i um, mean keep in mind like for our, our listeners that may not know like you're what 40 hours from home you're from ohio yeah, it's 30 34 hour drive so i i didn't really have an option of just driving home uh, <laughs> no, you know, no, you i was did. gonna have to stop somewhere um so I, as soon as I knew it was gone and it wasn't, you know, as soon as I knew it was stolen, I called my brother. He posted it on Facebook. I, uh, I texted, uh, Kyle and he posted it on Facebook and it just blew up, which honestly, at this point I'm attributing Facebook to the fact that the car and trailer were recovered. Awesome. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know that that would have, it would have happened that way, but everything else was, gone the, all my tools spare parts anything in the trailer was gone except for the car was completely untouched <laughs> well so, brian brian talk about the weeks between it coming up missing and, and tell us what that time frame was start to finish and the car and trailer turning up well, what what was going on there well basically uh i, I didn't know what to do um it was you know, Sunday evening, the police finally had showed up and they recommended I just go home. There was nothing I could do being out there. So I, we, we spent the night there at, uh, Justin and Chris, well, actually at Chris Lamb's house and, uh, flew home in the morning. So then I was at home, uh, had to, uh, I spent hours on the phone the next day talking to the insurance company, my insurance company talking to the police department, uh, the detective assigned to the case. Um, I had, I had a tablet that I had bought recently as a Verizon tablet that was in the truck and it was still turned on. So I was Mm. trying to get the police to contact Verizon to 
see if they could figure out where it was at. But, you know, Verizon wouldn't give me information. The police didn't, you know, they, they said it'd take three to five days to get information from Verizon. I still don't know if they ever got it or if they, or what happened with that. Um, so it was, it was from Tuesday until Friday, it was everything I could do to try to find the stuff, um, talk to people, talking to private investigators, uh, other police in the area. I happen to know somebody who has a friend in the, um, that's a detective in Las Vegas. I know another guy who has a friend who's, uh, uh, police in Arizona. So I, I was able to reach out to a bunch of people and it was just the, then the bad part of it was making a list of everything that was lost for my insurance company. (laughs) You don't realize how much stuff you take when you're leaving for 10 days. You say that that's yeah. the worst part, just in terms of trying to remember it all, or in terms of like the the emotional. Oh my God! You a little bit of both. Gone, you, right? know, you walk outside, and man, it's sunny. Oh, my four hundred dollar Oakley sunglasses were in the truck. <laughs> and then you know, I got off the plane at home, and I was cold. I'm like, oh yeah, I had two jackets that were in the truck. That you know, I had been thinking about stuff that was in there because they told us, you know, you're gonna have to make a list of what was stolen, but until you need the stuff, if you don't even realize half, the, I, I'm still, I still have thought of more stuff recently in the last few, you know, weeks and days even that were in there that I hadn't thought of. Um, so it's, and then, you know, I made a list of 157 items to give to my insurance company and that didn't even count spare parts for the race car because that they won't cover anything for a motor vehicle that's in the trailer or truck. Mm. So it's, that was, a that was the worst part. I think I, at, at that point was figuring out, you know, and by the end of that first week, I figured everything was gone. I would never see any of it. That's what I was about to ask. Like at what point did you kind of give up, you know, and figure that's done deal? Yeah, it was actually by about Wednesday. It was, you know, it was stolen on Sunday morning. And by Wednesday, I figured I would never see any of it. I actually thought maybe the trailer would turn up because, it's probably hard to get rid of a trailer. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't part out a trailer. You right. know, you could part out a car, you could part out a truck, you could sell all the tools, but what are you going to do with the trailer? So. And at what point was it that you got word that the trailer had been found? Well, that was a whole uh, long, it was a short, quick process, but um, I had gotten, we had gotten some tips from people on Facebook and some other things and, Actually, none of those panned out. But then Saturday night, uh, it was about 4 a.m. Sunday morning, actually, the week weekend following. Um, so it was almost exactly a week. I got a call from John Gregory, who had been racing at Norwalk. And if you've ever raced at Norwalk, 4 a.m., they were still going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that. They were calling, you know, they were calling me to try to get a hold of me because uh, there was a tip from somebody on Facebook had sent a me- message to Randy Shire, who was also at Norwalk racing or on his way home. And they were talking back and forth. And she said she knew where the trailer was um, and she wanted to know about a reward. You know, so we told her, you know, there's a reward. And um, 
you know, if everything was intact, there, you know, no problem. There's a reward. And, um, she said she had seen it just driving by. So Randy's trying to get her to call the cops to tell her, tell them where it's at. And she didn't want to call the cops. So he, then she asked, well, she suggested that, you know, it probably is worth more like $10,000 reward than 5,000. So he's trying to call me. So they finally got a hold of me. And, uh, so we told her, okay, well, you know, that's fine. If it's intact, $10,000 reward, well, sounds good. But you have to call the police and tell them where it's at. And she was reluctant, but then she finally did. I called the detective on the case and he told me to tell her not to call the police because if the trailer was moved, they wouldn't have any way to try to figure out who had put it there. But I guess at that point, they, she had already called. So he called me back 40 minutes later and said that the trailer was found. You know, that was the trailer. The truck wasn't there, and there was no sign of the car. Well, then the woman from Facebook got really upset because she insisted she knew the car was in it, even though she said she had only driven by. And, she, you know, she... She said we were lying to her. Well, a day and a half later, uh, my friends went to get the trailer out of impound, and they opened it up, and the car was in. So the police never even looked in the trailer when they picked it up. I guess there would be um, no sign of the car if you don't open the door, huh? <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know. I, I've never heard from the woman about the the. Uh, reward because I we did I told her if it was intact I'd give her the reward and then she after she found out the car wasn't in it she messaged uh, I think Angela Macy and suggested that we were trying to screw her out of the reward so I told her that when I was there I'd bring her a check you know meet her at, you know at the police station so there's nobody's getting screwed over basically. Mm -hmm. Sorry if I couldn't say that. No, but, you um, can say it. We've said much worse. <laughs> and, and since then, I've never heard from her. I, I never personally talked to the woman. I have her phone number, and she has mine, but she's never called me. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's still reward money there when they can find my truck <laughs> and, and all my stuff. Um, so that all happened within about a half an hour it was pretty quick, a whole bunch of conversation going between Randy Shire and the person who reported it. So to me, it seemed more like uh, whoever might have stolen it was trying to get the reward money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, does sound fishy. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like if it hadn't blown up on Facebook like it did, maybe the car would have been gone, but maybe they realized that there's no way they were getting rid of it yeah you would with, think if that's going to continue life as a race car in any form um it, this word had spread so quickly that a flag would go up somewhere so you'd like to think that as much as we uh all tend to complain about social media it definitely had a positive impact in in this situation exactly I, i'm not a fan of facebook at all but i do attribute the my car being intact to facebook mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, 
At some so, some point, I might have to make my first post ever. You know, thanking everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, what what happens now with your truck? Uh, I mean, I know there's dealing with insurance companies and whatnot, so nothing's turned up there. No, the truck as of last. Well, the Friday before this passed uh, on the 5th was considered a write-off to the insurance company. So even if it's found, I don't know. I don't know what happens if it's found, but there were in negotiations, I guess you would call it, for how much it was worth and what they're willing to cover. As well as all my, you know, as all, all of my personal belongings that were in it, that's a separate negotiation with a different claims person with the insurance company. They see mm-hmm. along with the, the other items that were stolen out of the trailer, or is there much of that covered at all? Um, anything that was in the truck or trailer is covered under my homeowner's insurance, which is all insured through the same company. So I basically had to make one claim for all of that stuff. And it doesn't seem like it matters whether it was in the truck or the trailer. It's just a matter of whether it's they consider it a part uh, a race, uh, a car part, you know, anything that for a motorized vehicle they don't cover. So they wouldn't cover gas cans or gas. Uh, they wouldn't cover uh, a floor jack, jack stands, things like that. They said were strictly for automobiles and they won't cover it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then so, there's, uh, oh, God. No, I was, I was going to say, I know you're dealing with that, but. Um, you know, the, the listeners and, and I was curious and we talked, so I know the answer here, but, uh, that was found the last weekend in April, I guess. And yep. here it is towards the end of May. And you would think that Brian Cerruti's stuff is all secure back in Ohio and he can go to the racetrack if he wants to. But unfortunately that's, that is not the case. No, it's, it's all secure, but it's all secure in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> still yeah you've got you a, you've got a trailer happens. and a race car in, in nevada how do you how do you what's the process to get that home well i tried running a truck to drive from nevada to here to tow it home and uh that was i couldn't find a single place that would rent me a truck so i borrowed a truck kind of borrowed slash rented from a friend and unfortunately had transmission problems in colorado mm-hmm. going to get it Got it. Stayed there a few days. Got it fixed. Had this. Had another problem. The same problem. So obviously it was an internal problem that caused something else. Limped it all the way to Las Vegas. So now it's in a transmission shop in Las Vegas. No. <laughs> Waiting to see what we're going to do with that. So. Meanwhile, you flew back. And I home. flew home. Yeah. Oh wow. So I get to go to Vegas for my third time this year. Uh, <laughs> whenever it's fixed. Oh my! The the hits just keep coming for you, Brian. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. I, yeah. I guess yeah. To to try to close this up again, just as more of a educational interview for for our listeners than anything. I guess like two part question: what what advice would you give fellow racers to avoid a similar situation? I'm sure there's a long list, and in, in in hindsight. Yeah. I've done a lot of research because obviously at some point I'm going to have another truck similar to the one I had and I'm going to have the same race car and trailer. Mm-hmm. So um, I've done a lot of research on kill switches for the trucks because from what I've been told, them trucks are about as easy as there is to hot wire and steel. What truck did you uh, have? And I don't, it was a 2001 uh, Ford 
diesel. Um, the, the later ones had uh, the chips and the keys, which made them difficult to steal, but those years did not, so you could pretty much just hotwire. Okay, same truck that I have, mm. good to know. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. Um, yep, so there's some, there's some places that make some pretty good kill switches for them. Um, I've also looked into the uh, GPS type uh, tracking unit, like the LoJack type uh, thing. Um, there's ones that are good and ones that are bad. I mean, if it hooks to the car battery, it's probably not worth having because the first thing they're probably going to do is unhook the car battery. Um, mm-hmm. There's ones that uh, that have a lithium battery in them that you can enable and disable so that the battery will last literally forever. You could just enable it anytime you think you're going to be parking. Um, They'll actually alert you. You know, you can set a radius. If your vehicle moves out of that radius, it'll alert you your cell phone once it gets out of that radius so you know it's moving. Hmm. Um, Yeah, we're actually going to talk to a GPS manufacturer a little bit later in the show that can give a little bit more insights to that but obviously that's something that you'll have in the future and something you'd recommend yeah definitely um uh i'm probably going to end up with uh some type of uh wheel locking system to at least slow somebody down if they were going to steal it Mm -hmm. for the trailer yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and obviously insurance you know my car wasn't insured um i didn't realize how much stuff i had that wasn't insured by my homeowners because they consider racing a business um, and they don't, they, they cover, you know, 750 or $1,000 in business. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, a torque converter that costs more than that. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I, I it, it's kind of funny, but not funny. I had actually contacted uh, Chris Norris about insuring the trailer and race car and tools and parts before I went to the race. I had sold my motorhome one week before I left. So I contacted him uh, when I sold it because I knew at that point it's going to be at a greater risk. Mm-hmm. Um, just We just didn't have enough time to get all the paperwork done mm-hmm. to get it insured before I left. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and second <laughs> part, I guess, of that question, if and when... The similar a similar situation was to happen to a friend of yours what advice would you give them in trying to retrieve their operation if they were in you know a similar situation to you um i, I the the first thing i do is the social media i mean i think that helped immensely um yeah uh, don't one thing i'd say is don't count on help from anybody outside of your friends and the racing community. I mean, the police honestly was of no help at all. Um, the insurance company was no help. Uh, every avenue that I looked down other than talking to other people and the social media pretty much was a dead end. It was definitely in my, uh, line of sight for, uh, all day, every day. I mean, every time I looked at Facebook, so, um, you know, I know I speak for Brian on behalf of Brian, but thank you to everybody that contributed to that. That was a tremendous effort by the the race book people. It was uh, it had to help a lot. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's for sure. 
like I say, super obviously hate that you had to go through this. Very happy to hear that at least your race car is intact. Um, and, you know, I, I know that uh, this has been a trial to endure, but I would say, at least not to put your words in your mouth, I would assume that the most important part is uh, is safe and secure and, and probably uh, much to your surprise when, when that actually came about. So glad to see that. Hate that you went through it. And again, more than anything, um, thank you for, for coming on. I know that this, uh, this wound is pretty fresh, but uh, if what you shared can... Uh, can make a few more racers aware of some of the things that they can have to prevent this and or how to deal with it if god forbid it happens to them um then obviously th our conversation here has been worthwhile yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it and um like i i do hope it helps people and i hope it makes them aware of what they're uh what what they're uh could possibly face one day I'm certain it'll do just that, Brian. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us and taking us through your story, man. And uh, congrats on getting the, the the prize possession back. I'm sure we'll see you in the winter circle with it soon. I hope so. Thanks, Jed. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, we'll have you back on under better circumstances. Thanks again, Brian. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Hey, Brian. See you, man. Song to do the Justin Lamb Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam You do the Kevin Brand and later smack across the land Then you do the L-Ride and you come out like the world champ Hi guys, I just wanted to talk for a minute again about our friends at Racing RVs. As most of you know, because we've covered it before here on the podcast, Joe Fisher at Racing RVs and I partner on a handful of coaches each race season. These are units that are used, they're affordable, and they've got built-in features that I personally look for in a racing rig. My family and I use the units for our own racing. We demo them, we display them, and ultimately we help racers like you purchase them from Racing RVs. But like I've said now for a couple of weeks, the unit that we took to Atlanta to weeks ago is one that I'm a little bit hesitant to even share. Uh, I really don't want to sell it because I like it. It's the nicest, most well-equipped unit that we've used. But again, that is my job with racing RVs. So here it goes. Um, the unit that we've got right now is a 2004 show hauler. It was built on a used Freightliner Century chassis. It was an over-the-road truck, so it's got a lot of miles, half a million miles, in fact. But that doesn't bother me. It shouldn't bother you. Those trucks are meant to go a million miles. There's nothing wrong with it. It drives great. It's probably the nicest driving truck that I've used. It's got a 470 five horse Cummins N14, which is a beast. It pulls my stacker, three race cars, went up Mon Eagle, went down Mon Eagle, no issues. Um, passing a lot of the truckers on the side of the road. It's got a super slide. It's got a really nice layout. A previous owner put in a new ceramic floor. It has a new generator. It has new tires all the way around. It's lots of really family friendly, nice stuff for racing. It's got an outdoor freezer. It's got an outdoor grill. It's got an awning. Like I said, very family friendly. Plus, as I mentioned, it's the best driving unit that I've driven. It's the most comfortable. It's got huge fuel tanks, which is nice. The best part of all, it's under $100,000. It's priced right now for ninety nine grand. I know that's a lot of money. I'm not trying to say that it's not. But in the world of RVs, if you shop around, that is a steal. I'm surprised that it has lasted this long. I doubt that it will last longer. For details, check out RacingRVs.com. Contact me via Facebook or give Joe Fisher at Racing RVs a call at 419-236-1328. Okay, as most of you also know, my season is off to one heck of a start. Um, we won the million, uh, Springfield Million in Las Vegas. Super confident. You did? At the, yeah, how about that? You, have you heard? Wow, congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Runner-up at the national event out there, winner at the national event in Atlanta. I attribute 
a lot of that success to the work that we do within This Is Bracket Racing Elite. But again, it's not just me. We had another big weekend for This Is Bracket Racing Elite members. I told you guys last week we had nine elite members in the final at various events across the country. This weekend was more of the same. Five more from British Columbia to Texas, from Iowa to Louisiana, like all over the place. It is so cool to get up Monday morning and see all of the results pouring in from the members that we work with. I know that for me, my mental outlook and preparation has been a huge factor in my recent success. And like all of you, I have a lot of opportunities to turn pessimistic or to lose confidence. But I've been able to kind of hold it together for the most part when it mattered the most. Now, like I've said before, a strong mental game doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but a weak mental game almost certainly compromises the ability to have success. And that's probably the biggest thing that we focus on in Elite. Sure, we talk about reaction times, we talk about driving the finish line, we talk about everything related to racing, but the main focus is on the mental game. And that attention to that detail has really helped me. And many of our elite members say the same thing. I think we can help you too. So if you're interested to learn more, check out the link on the thisisbracketracing.com homepage. It's on the right side of the page. Or message me directly for more information. All right, uh, listeners, we reached out and you responded, and we we really want to thank you for the info. Wow, the the response was a bit overwhelming. It was man, we had so much information coming through the Facebook page and through Messenger, and we had tons of great ideas. You hearing some on the show here today, but I want to touch on a few of the things that that really seem to stand out to us as. Brian Cerruti mentioned Angela Macy was instrumental in uh, helping keep things rolling through social media and obviously was deeper involved in that and the recovery of his race car and trailer. But Angela had a couple of great ideas. You know, she mentioned in a note to us that she's trying to be proactive, which, you know, obviously is a great suggestion for all of us. And she's taking pictures of their assets. So they've got them handy. You know, that's important some good recent pictures you know take pictures every couple of months or so that that seems to be a really good idea and as most of you facebookers saw if not all of you the meme generator app that you can put on your phone that help bring brian's car up something that catches your eye with all of the the writing inside the picture saying it was stolen you know alerts and those things uh she and lisa king got together and did that and then boosted the the posts through Facebook, uh, which is a, a very small investment. So appreciate Angela bringing that to our attention. I think it's great ideas. And, you know, uh, again, as I think Brian stated in his own way, uh, Angela does as well. Just, you know, as much as we appreciate the police and all they do, you can't just solely count on that. You have to to get outside the box and uh, try to make it as public as you can for yourself. And obviously the racing community stepped up and helped Brian recover his. And I know they'll do the same for any of us if that happens. So uh, I want to say thanks to Angela for the, the great ideas and the help on Brian's recovery. Yeah. And what I took most more than anything from what she shared with us was having that stuff at your fingertips you know what i mean having some uh some yeah. recent photos on your phone you know at your fingertips that meme generator because i know i'm guilty of this like we all tend to look down thumb through facebook and we 
see all the pictures and if it interests us then we actually read the text so if you have a picture of a race car and then in the text say that it's stolen i don't think it has near the impact that the actual like meme would again picture the car big letters stolen all over it i think that's what really made this take off sure. as quickly as it did and ultimately in brian's own words um, he thinks led to the recovery at least partial recovery of his assets yeah no doubt so we got a lot of things that we want to kind of share so we, we talked with Brian. We wanted to cover a little bit about some, some anti-theft devices. We want to talk a little bit about GPS alarm systems and a little bit about insurance. So like I say, we'll, we'll be a little bit spotty. And, and as Jed mentioned, we had so we were overwhelmed with information. We tried to weed through it. We're going to try to include as much as we can without giving you guys like a two-hour podcast. The one thing that really jumped out in terms of uh, anti-theft devices, and again, like in Brian's situation, this wasn't necessarily applicable. His entire rig was was stolen, and he mm -hmm. talked about some type of wheel locks and things like that. Those are fairly readily available. One thing that really caught my eye, because particularly for me here at home, I've got two trailers that basically sit with nothing attached to them, and I've always looked for a decent tongue hitch but it's rare that i see anything that really I, I felt like would do the job and really deter anyone greg dillman who we're both familiar with a lot of you guys are familiar with as a racer and as a race promoter he's co-promoter of the no box nationals messaged us with this device that that he and his, the company that he works for bomar industries i believe is the name of it makes it is, it's, yeah. it's a hitch lock it's a it's a crossbar made from half inch stainless steel the body is quarter inch stainless it fits either a two inch or a two and five sixteenths ball and it's a it's, it includes a hardened steel lock it fits basically any tag style trailer tongue and as i'm telling you this i'm looking at a picture of it like this thing's pretty slick looking and it and beefy looking i guess is probably more important like yes if I, i'm not in the business of stealing trailers but if i was and i came onto one with this like i think i'd just pick the next one <laughs> yeah. this looks pretty uh intimidating it, it's slick they're affordable it's 150 dollars shipped when he actually when he sent this information i ordered one for myself so if that's something that you guys are interested in or want to just get more information on again i just i like doing business with racers so um the company is bomar industries the phone number is area code 317-899-1240 and ask for greg again i'm greg doman like i said i just ordered one for myself i think it's um i think the recurring theme of this episode will be cheap insurance or cheap security like i'll feel better about my operation with that on it so we wanted to share that yep. before we went much further no doubt and you can also look up uh, greg dillman on facebook he's got a facebook page or you can contact him through the no box nationals facebook page but get in touch with greg that's a really nice piece you want to make it in a song to do the justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do the kevin brandon lay the smack across the land then you do the l ride and you come out like the world champ all right guys our next guest is a drag racer a successful drag racer in his own right but he also happens to be an expert in security and protecting your properties and assets a guy that's going to give us some insight and some great products that'll help everyone protect their racing operation and more mike zellner is joining us today mike great to have you on the show thank you great to be here mike i guess yes, why don't sir. you start off a little with a little bit that our uh, our listeners can uh, can associate with tell us a little bit about your uh, racing okay i've been uh, i've been racing oh god ever since i've been a kid and i'm, I'm almost 50 now so uh, I've got a lot of years playing around in uh, drag cars, dirt track cars, et cetera. And the last 10 years or so, I've sort of got back into the drag racing scene. 
I'm a, a bottom bulb guy. I race an old school Chevelle that I've had since high school. Uh, back half, big tire, ladder car, ladder bar car that, uh, you know, just uh, just sort of fits me. Cool. So you know how important it is uh, to protect something that you love so much, like your race car. You, you're obviously an expert there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a IT director <laughs> for a company called SCI. We uh, we do physical security for all types of businesses and uh, race cars and you name it, we do it. So uh, one of the cool things that that we offer that I know this is really all about is we've got a a really cool offering for a, a GPS tracking unit that uh, is about the size of a car's deck of cards, weighs less than a pound, and basically uh, allows you to track where your car is at any given point in time. So um, it has some real cool functionalities with it to where you can uh, uh, set up a geofence. So if your car moves outside of your shop or outside of your, uh, you know, yard, it's, you know, accurate within, you know, 50 feet or 100 feet that uh, it'll send you alert right to your phone. Um, literally it'll track uh, your vehicle where it went via like a breadcrumb trail on the map uh, inside the application it does all kinds of neat things like that so Mike you're saying this particular device is something that you would attach directly to the to the race car itself yes you could attach one to your you know your your rig your trailer or your race car and to me it's it makes the most sense for me I have mine attached directly to my race car Literally, what it allows me to do is, you know, if my if my truck gets stolen or my trailer gets stolen, it's a big deal. It bothers me, but at the end of the day, the the, the thing that really matters is my race car. So it's on the race car itself. It uh, 12 volt, uh, all the way up to 24 volts. So you could hook it into a 16 volt system, 12 volt system, whatever you have, and literally um, uh, will help connect it to your to your phone via the app. And boom, from that point on, your your uh, vehicle will be tracked. Okay, but for those that I'm sorry, Luke. Uh, for okay. those that have obviously, uh, <laughs> for those that have a lot of uh, investment in parts and those things in their trailer, and the car stays in the trailer a lot, it, it works just as effectively uh, attached to your trailer, right? Yes, sir. Okay. What Mike just kind of walk me through the the process, like in your instance, let's say God forbid that your your trailer and race car disappears. Um, you're going to get an alert saying that it's left your property, correct? Correct. In, in, in a matter of minutes, um, it'll alert. Uh, I think the check-in on it's every two minutes, or uh, I think it's even settable up to five minutes. But um, long story short, that checks in with the cell towers. It's on a CDMA network, so it literally checks in uh, every five minutes. And if, it, if my vehicle leaves that geofence, it sends an alert to my phone, just like a text message, um, and lets me know that, hey, your vehicle's left the left the building all right at which case you can alert authorities you can go tracking it down yourself all of the above i think probably for most of us correct correct yes sir and mike i must you know if if it were to be disconnected by whoever was to take it uh, i guess it shows you the last point that that it was working correct it, it gives you 90 days of history so you can you know backtrack its location for the last 90 days and one of the other things, so let's say that you've got it in your race car and you've got it, you know, hid somewhere uh, behind a dash or wherever and somebody takes the battery out. It has an onboard battery that will last for up to 60 days. Cool. So, nice. yeah. I don't know if this is a, a statistic that you've got readily available, but I would assume that the, 
recovery rate for stolen, specifically race cars, because it would be so difficult to track, is very low. Uh, I would assume that that goes up significantly with something like this. Like, it seems like there's a, a breadcrumb trail where it would be, I don't want to say easy, but much, much easier to find. Is, is that accurate, or do you have any data to back that up? Yeah, I, I don't have the statistics right here in front of me. I can obviously get those and send those in to you guys. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Once you've put this on, we've put it in all kinds of things, right? We've put them in storage containers. We've put them on heavy equipment. You know, you know, the things that are out in the field that get stolen all the time. Um, yeah, we've had guys track stuff down and, and, you know, recover it within a matter of uh, minutes and hours rather than days and weeks. Right. Now, like you said earlier, it sounds like cheap insurance to me. What type of cost is associated with a system like this? So, basically, we've got two different offerings on this. Um, you know, first off, the, the, the one that we probably sell more of is... Uh, there's an upfront cost of $275 for the device, and then there's a $30 per monthly fee. Uh, and then if a guy doesn't want to pay anything up front, we have a, a $38.95 per month, and there's no upfront fee. But there is a contract uh, with that one just to cover the cost of the of the hardware itself. Um, and, you know, in the way I really look at it, God, I hate having monthly bills. You know, nothing bothers me more than having more of these monthly bills. But when it comes right down to it, I look at it like I'm spending 450 or $480 a year for insurance on my race car or my rig that, you know, I, I know I'm going to get it back when I have this. Yeah, no question. Yeah. It would make a lot of us sleep better at night. Um, again, oh. the, the company that you're with, Mike, is uh, SEI, which stands for Security Equipment, Inc. Um, tell our listeners where they can find this device and where they can locate you guys. Yeah, so basically, uh, Security Equipment Inc., we've got a website out there, sei-security.com. Um, also, you know, we're based out of Omaha, Nebraska. Um, but uh, if anybody was interested in this device, they could give us a call at 402-333-3233 or reach out to us via the uh, website, and uh, we take care of you. I mentioned Luke. We might even be able to do a little something better. Awesome. <laughs> in the podcast, I can't even tear it out. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, hey, I understand. <laughs> No, we appreciate um, you taking some time and coming on with us, Mike. And like earlier, we had um, Brian Cerruti on, and obviously, if any of our listeners can avoid being in that helpless, awful situation that Brian was in and talked about, um, that's what we're trying to do with this episode. And products like this would obviously uh, make that a much, uh, much easier task to take on. So appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, thank you very much for having me, and. Uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, we can get you guys into one of these and uh, get you guys taken care of as well. Awesome. Sounds like a great thing. Mike, a couple of real quick questions I had I wanted to get answered for the listeners and myself. Um, let's say uh, my, my trailer's taken with the car in it, my cell phone's in there. Um, can this thing be, can the app be put on multiple devices and is it, and or is it being tracked also at your uh, headquarters? So the device can be tracked with multiple devices. You can put the app on as many devices as you want. And also it can be tracked from a computer. So you can log into a computer uh, anywhere and log into the, uh, the website for this and literally um, pick it up anywhere. Okay, awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much. That is excellent information. Um, I know a lot of people is going to benefit from that. And we appreciate you uh, taking some time to come on and educate everybody about this great product and how it can help us protect something that we love so much. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. All right, Mike. Have a great day.
You too. I once again want to thank Mike Zellner for coming on and joining us on the uh, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. As he mentioned, Mike is a racer himself, so uh, understands our uh, specific needs and, and how attached we can get to our, uh, our racing equipment in general. I uh, followed up a little bit with Mike and his, and his staff there at SEI, and while they didn't have specific statistics that I'd asked for on race car recovery, they basically said assets in general, which again, these these devices have been used on cars, on storage units, on on ATMs on down the line, and uh, they have a 90 plus percent recovery rate on assets that are using this GPS technology. So there's no reason to assume that the same wouldn't be true on uh, on race cars. So I wanted to add that in because I kind of put them on the spot there, did follow up and uh, and got a little bit more detailed information there. Absolutely, I appreciate all Mike brought to the table there, Luke. As we're learning more and more, and you and I are getting educated along with everybody at the same time, but. There's lots of quality options out there gaining popularity. Tommy Johnson Sr., he's selling, uh, I know at one time it was trailer alarms. Um, I'm not sure what he calls it now, but uh, Tommy's got a a product that he's uh, been working with for quite a while. Don Higgins at Crew Chief Pro has got a product uh, that's designed to help you protect your racing operation or any operation for that matter. Uh, We all know Don, Crew Chief Pro, all the great things they do, so... I would assume he's uh, readily available to help as well for those uh, in his circle that want to reach out to him. And we had several positive recommendations for findmespot.com. So, and lots of other stuff. There's been a lot of feedback there. So there's some more options, plenty of options out there for us to protect our race and operation. Yeah, like most of you listeners, I would assume Jed and I are kind of, we're learning as we go. So as far as the quality of these products, I think that they're all excellent products. The the pricing differences, like I say, we're kind of gathering information as we went. So we just wanted to uh, make note of as many options as we could and uh, so that you guys could research them for yourself. But there is a lot out there, more than I ever realized in terms of alarm and, and GPS technology. So Jed, we talked a little bit about, obviously we spoke with, with Brian we talked a little bit about some some anti-theft devices for trailers and we talked about uh, GPS and alarm systems and things like that. And the last thing that I want to touch on because I think it's applicable to the conversation is insurance. Obviously, we're inundated with insurance in various forms in all of our lives, but I'm kind of, uh, I guess, constantly surprised by how few racers have quality insurance on their racing equipment. And it's something that I researched, should probably... 10 years ago or more now, but there are a lot of quality options out there. One name that was recommended to us regularly was uh, was Triple C and Chris Norris. I would assume that many of you are familiar with Chris and Triple C from his work with David Bird Jones, who is also a former podcast guest. Most of you know that Bird had his Camaro stolen, is that a little over a year ago now? Yeah. It was insured by Triple C. They paid out. So that uh, that's always, to me, a feather in the cap of, of insurers when you, as much as you hate to know someone that went through it, it's nice to know someone that had a reimbursement check. The Larice family, who has uh, made a name in various types of insurance for a long time and, and in racing from the southern Louisiana area, they I've read some press releases lately where they just got involved in motorsports insurance. So that's a viable option. And Gulfway Insurers, which is actually the company that I use, uh, Mel Leaves, a lot of you may remember him from running Pro Modified back years ago. Gulfway Insurers out of Florida is run by Mel. And my story, like 
this isn't a, a paid endorsement for Gulfway by any means. Like I, I went with them because they had the best rates for my needs. Plus I had a friend that did have a claim that was paid. And like I say, that's always a little bit of a, a settling when you're shopping for insurance to actually know someone that's gone sure. through the process and can tell you, Hey, when I had a problem, his wasn't a theft. It was uh, he, he grabbed a hold of a tree and ripped the side off of his trailer, but it, it was paid and, and without going through a lot of hassle, like paid within a couple of weeks. So the way that, that my policy works and, and just about everything that I, I priced was similar to this, but basically the policy that I have covers everything from the time that I turn off the racetrack until the times that I pull into the water, like on the track, I'm on my own. And a lot of companies have on-track policies, but they're super expensive. But what I've got, I think, is a, is a very affordable policy that covers me against anything that could happen to my racing equipment, theft, fire, uh, highway accident, accident in the pits, like anything. And it's it was easy to set up. Basically, I just set the value for the insured vehicles. Like I have every race car and every trailer included under this policy. And then I just pay the annual premium for that. And if you're thinking, well, like, that's probably an exorbitant cost. Not necessarily, like roughly speaking, obviously everything's a little bit different and the more value that you insure, obviously the, the lower the rate gets in, in reference. But your rough cost is typically like 1% of the value that you're insuring. So if you've got a $50,000 race operation, the cost to insure it for a year would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 bucks. If it's a $100,000 operation or $100,000 total insured, about a thousand dollars, and it gets cheaper the higher that you go. Like I say, me personally at this point, I have like two hundred fifty thousand dollars insured, and it costs me about nineteen hundred bucks a year. So again, it comes down a little bit, and it's not just like I mentioned. I started researching this. I think it was actually more than ten years. It was probably about the time that I first moved to Alabama. So it's not just now. Like I have a a lot of what or what I consider a lot of money tied up in my racing operation. Most of you guys know my beginnings. Like I hadn't always had a lot of money tied up in a racing operation in reference to what a lot of people would think is a lot of money. It was always a lot of money to me. I had stuff insured when, when I didn't have much. And how do I justify that now? Or how did I justify it then is for the longest time when I left to go to the racetrack, like my entire life's work was on the road with me. Um, I, it wasn't something that I felt as though I could afford, I could get through losing. And now, I mean, we've got other assets in life. You know, when you get to that point in life, you, you start retirement and you buy a house and things like that. But still a significant portion of what I have invested, so to speak, in my life, I've invested into racing. And so for me, like, I'll gladly spend the money for insurance. It just allows me to sleep a little bit better at night, kind of like we talked about with the GPS setup. Mm -hmm. Everyone's threshold for risk is different. And I'm not going to sit here and say that you need to get insurance or even that you should get insurance. Like, again, I'm not endorsing a specific provider. I'm just letting you know that I feel better having my stuff insured. And to basically shed a little bit of light on the idea that there are options available. And I think in large part, they're not as expensive as you might have assumed. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Um, insurance companies are becoming more and more well-known and more and more used by racers. And uh, your story is is certainly one that people need to listen to. I mean, uh, insuring that amount of equipment for that dollar value sounds like a lot of money, but what you got tied up in it, certainly makes all the sense in the world to have it insured the way you do. So yeah, like I said, I don't uh, know hopefully. if it makes sense or not. It makes, it makes me feel better about it. So <laughs> it's uh, and, and in, in my head, at least that's all that really matters. But like I say, just uh, the idea that those options are out there, there's several reputable companies 
doing that sort of thing. Like I say, if it makes sense for you, I just wanted to uh, to let everybody know that that's available. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 26. Wow, 26 episodes in. I definitely want to say thanks to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite and Racing RVs. I feel good about this episode, Jed. Like, it wasn't the most fun episode on our end, but I hope that it's yeah. the most impactful. Like I said, if we can um, deter one thief, save one racer's uh, equipment, and or help people go through the process of, man, that's got to be a gut-wrenching feeling to wake up and your stuff be gone. Um, but if no we can doubt. help with that in any way, then this was absolutely worth our time. So again, thanks yes, so much to, to Brian Cerruti um, for joining us and, and taking us through his story as hard as that has to be to tell, right, especially right now. Um, thanks to Mike Zellner um, and the folks at SEI for telling us a little bit about their system. And as always, thanks to PJ North for providing our tunes. PJ does all the music that you hear on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. He did our intro. You can find more of PJ's work on iTunes. PJ's on Facebook. PJ's on Twitter. Um, he's got great stuff, so y'all, you guys support him. Yep. And um, guys, remember, we're planning to release a new show every week of the calendar year, and we're Right on pace again, so please stay tuned for plenty more going forward. Yeah, and I don't have to tell you guys where to find the podcast. Obviously, you are listening to the podcast, but I do want to remind you to subscribe um, on whatever medium you're you're finding this podcast. On Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Google Play, on Stitcher. Um, what that does is when you subscribe, you get a notification every time that we release a new episode. So you'll be the first to get it. You'll be the first to hear it. Um, you can get the latest content before your friends. Yeah, and speaking of your friends, be sure to tell them, um, you know, we, we talked about how Brian recovered his racing operation. It was through sharing. Uh, we ask that you do something similar with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Uh, Luke and I are having a blast with this thing. We want many people as we can get involved. So tell your friends about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast and try to make them feel uncool if they're not listening and help them know that they will be really cool if they do listen and get your track involved. Again, we're we're asking racetracks to help keep the downtime filled with some entertainment when we have downtime which is inevitable at every racetrack and uh, play the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed and over the the pa i think our topics are relevant to uh, what the racing crowd wants to hear at the racetrack and i uh, think some good to come of it so try to get your track involved and let us know that your track's involved we want to give them a shout out here on the show jed brought up a really good point that all the cool kids are doing it yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. Join our Facebook community. We are the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. Touch base with me and Jed on Twitter. I am at Luke Bogacki. That's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. He is at JP11X. Thank you guys again for listening, and we will touch base again next week. Thanks, guys. This way alive. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Breaking in anything, bottom ball before a ten. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer 
to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>